0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Tuesday, November the 8th, 2022 at 1239 a.m. Central Time. Well, yesterday for today's focus, we talked about two contradictory promises or contradictory promises. There were two promises mentioned in the Gospel of Luke that appear to contradict one another. I challenge you to look up some sermons on it, commentaries. One person sent me a screenshot of of the possible solutions to this apparent contradiction And another listener sent me a link to a sermon and said, it's closer to the end of the sermon. He brings it up and he addresses it. Of course, I haven't listened to it. What all I have done is grab the audio, kind of just kept kind of just skimming the audio until I got, oh, okay, this is where he's getting ready to mention it. Back it up, stop it and save it. And that's what we're going to do for today's focus. For today's focus, we're going to go back to Luke chapter 21 I'm going to remind you of what appears to be contradictory promises, and then we're going to listen to Alistair Begg give his, I guess, solution to the problem. I don't know how thoughtful this is, how in-depth it is. I don't know how—put it this way. He clearly only gives it a couple of minutes, so he obviously doesn't think it's much of a problem However, to be fair, I think in most cases where there's a clear problem in the text or a difficulty in the text, preachers tend to always skim past it instead of spending time on it. But we'll see. So let's remind you Luke chapter 21, today's focus, Luke chapter 21, verses 12 through 19. Are you ready? Here we go. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a wisdom and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Now, I think immediately this begins to tell us, wait a minute, This seems to be specific promises for specific people. And I would guess that this is specifically for the disciples. And if we look at the context here of Luke 21, the context of Luke 21, if you go back to verse C, yeah, Luke chapter 21, uh, he, uh, look at Luke chapter 21, verse five, and some spake of the temple, how it was adored with goodly stones and gifts. And he said, as for thee the." As for these things which ye behold, the days will come, and the which uh, there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be, and what what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass?" That, the context here is Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple, and that occurred in 70 A.D. Then he starts giving them the signs. Remember, this is, this is messed up in Matthew 24. You can go listen to our series on Matthew 24. And when I say it's messed up, the church has handled these passages horribly. They, they take these things, these signs, rip them out of the context of 70 A.D., and apply them to the future when the context is the destruction of the temple that was standing when Jesus was on earth. So immediately we know these promises are for the disciples, and they directly relate to what they're going to experience leading up to 70 AD, I think. I, I, I don't know how else you can get around it. That, that's the context. Hey, those, that temple, it's coming down. It's going to be destroyed. Well, when is it going to happen? What are the signs? Jesus begins to give the signs. Somehow the modern church has come along and go, nope, nope, that's for the second coming of Christ. That's for the tribulation. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's for the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. I don't know why we do that. It's a disease, but it And when I say it's a disease, it's because it happens so frequently. So immediately I know that these promises right here about, hey, you don't even need to think about what you're going to say. Because you're going to speak and your wisdom's going to overcome your enemies and your adversaries. This is, this is, this is leading up to 70 AD. This is for the disciples. Then he goes on to say um, in verse 16, and you shall and ye shall be betrayed, both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk, and kinsfolks, and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. All right, so here's the promise. Here's promise number one. You're going to be persecuted, and some of you are going to die. All right, okay, that seems pretty specific, but then this is where it gets weird. And you shall be hated of all men for my namesake, but there shall not a hair of your head perish. So some of you are going to die, but not a hair of your head is going to perish. How do we reconcile this? How do we understand this? What is the solution? Well, first and foremost, just know that these promises are specifically for the disciples, I think, leading up to 70 AD. So is it saying you're going to die, but not a a hair of your head will perish before 70 AD? Like, how do we understand this? There's a couple of solutions that people have suggested. Uh, I would go through uh, the, the three that someone sent me. But for now, what we're going to do is review review the audio that someone has sent me, and then maybe tomorrow, for today's focus, we'll look at the three that people, uh, that someone sent to me. And I really appreciate that person doing the work and doing the homework. But are you ready? Here we go. Alistair Begg, as he tries to, I guess he's going to try to explain this apparent contradiction. Hey, some of you are going to die, but not a hair of your head is going to perish. Wait, wait, what? Let Let's see what they offer as a solution for today's focus. Here we go. Alistair Beg, let's listen carefully.
1: Now, the persecution, says Jesus, will provide an opportunity for his followers to bear witness to the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. This will result in your being witnesses to them. And then verses 14 and 15, he says, but I want you to make sure that you're not worried at all about what will happen to you in that moment, because uh, I'll make sure that uh, you have the words and you have the wisdom—the uh, words and the wisdom—that none of your adversaries will be able to uh, resist or contradict. In, in one of the other uh, Gospels, it says, "'The words will be given you in that day.'" If I had a dollar for every time somebody told me to use that phraseology to explain why it was that they hadn't finished their Sunday school or Bible class preparation, or at the average pastor's conference where he said, Well, you know, I haven't done much study this week, but words will be given me in that day, I want to tell him, That's got nothing to do with you at all. Nothing to do with you at all. You lazy preacher! That is no, there is no comfort for you in Luke 21, 14, and 15.
0: And that is so true. Those promises have, I, now I don't know if he would agree with me, but I, to me, you have to come to this conclusion. Those promises have nothing to do with us. They look, he's giving the signs and promises related to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, first and foremost. So this is a promise that in the persecution that the, the disciples were going to face from basically Jesus De- after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and then we read about the, the persecution that happens in the book of Acts, leading up to 70 AD, that's that's what Jesus is referring to. That is a specific apostolic promise. Jesus is not giving, if he's giving us the words to say, then obviously the Bible's not the final authority, you have extra biblical revelation, except you come up with a million theological problems. All right, but yet so many times people say God is giving them the words to speak, and then they speak, and you're like, I hope God is doing better than that. Okay, all right, all right, never mind. But you get the idea, all right? So these are apostolic promises so far. Now, the issue is, how is he going to reconcile? You're going to die, or some of you, but not a hair of your head is going to perish. How do we, what do we do with this? Let's see what Alistair Begg offers as a solution.
1: That was an express promise given to the apostles that when the thing hit the fan, they would, by the Spirit, be able to contradict the claims of those who were against them. And that's exactly what you find. Paul before Felix and Drusilla, reasoning with them about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. And what is Felix able to say at the end of the evening? That's enough for now. Go back to your room. I'll hear you again on the subject. Before one of the other kings.
0: And if you think about it, just 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 logically think about this. These these apostolic promises that they're going to be given the words, doesn't it make sense? Because many of the words they are given, he's referencing some of the words that were given, the apostle Paul and others, they 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 turned into scripture. <laughs> there were words that ultimately got recorded in scripture. And remember, they those the apostles and disciples are the ones who ultimately was moved by the Holy Spirit to write the word of God. They were being given the words under the, the the concept of inspiration. So it fits perfectly. This were apostolic promises for apostolic times, and it probably is in connection with the inspiration of the scriptures. So it has nothing to do with us, not for us. We can not claim those promises. That's just bad theology, bad hermeneutics, bad exegesis, bad just bad logic doesn't work that way. man. if all of us are being given the words after 2,000 years of church history, yeah, but no, 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 no. We, we would be able to silence our adversaries, but we can't, because in many cases, Christian supposed arguments are not wise, and we end up looking foolish, but okay. All right. But still, we want to get to the apparent contradiction. The, let's see what he's going to do with it.
1: Which one is it, Agrippa or Festus? I can never remember. And he says, do you think to make me a Christian so quickly? Why is this? Because the prophecy of Jesus is being fulfilled. Paul is hauled up before them, and he is able to speak in such a way that they will not be able to resist or to contradict. It's a one-
0: and please know those words become inspired scripture. They find themselves into the inspired word of God. That that just fits perfectly. With that promise there in Luke 20, 21, don't worry about what you're going to say. I'll give you the words. And he literally gives them scripture. That's literally what happens.
1: Wonderful, wonderful promise. Now in 16 and 17, the extent of the animosity is not going to just be out there in the culture, but it's going to hit them from their homes. The hatred that they will experience will actually impinge upon them at the most foundational level of their lives—parents, brothers, relatives, and friends. And he says, I want you to know that some of you are going to become martyrs. There'll just be a general spirit of hatred that you experience and because of me. Now, as far as can be ascertained, all of the apostles except John died a violent death as a result of the actions of either Jewish or pagan persecutors. We do know that in A.D. 64, the Neronian persecution hit the community with devastating impact, drawing into its wake all who were prepared to stand firm for the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Please note that happens before dun, 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 70 A.D.
1: But in the final analysis, says Jesus, verse 18, not a hair of your head will perish and by standing firm you will gain life. Well, how can you say that, Jesus? How can you say that the persecution is going to be unleashed against us, that some of us are actually going to die, and then you say, but of course not a hair of your head will perish? Well, how are we to understand that? One possibility would be that Jesus was just flat out contradicting himself. What a silly idea. So we'll we'll rule that one out. Then we say to ourselves, Well, where else do we have in the Bible this whole notion of even though everything comes against you in a royal fashion, that still God is sovereign over all, protecting and providing for his children? Romans chapter 8. Nothing will separate you from the love of Christ, neither nakedness or pearl or sword. Oh, they may take your life, goods, children, wife, yet is their profit small, says Luther. In a mighty fortress is my God. Is my God, because at the end of the day, we will arise to a new day and to a new life and to a new body and to a new head of hair.
0: Okay, that that kind of works, I guess. Hey, you're going to die. Some of you may die, but not a hair of your head will perish. Meaning, you're not going to perish. Like you know, your salvation will be secure. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. It's just that phrase. Not a hair. In fact, let me read it from the King James. I don't want to misquote it. Not a hair of your head will perish. Hmm. It just sounds like you're going to be preserved physically. Now, he's saying you'll be, well, you know, in a sense, resurrected a glorified body and a new hair of head, or new, a new hair on your head, um, a new head of hair. Yeah, okay. All right, maybe. Let, let's see what else he says.
1: And therefore, in the ultimate sense, God has got it all under control. That doesn't mean that we won't die in some strange way, but it does mean that it will not take God by surprise. And he protects his own. And so he is urging them to be those who are standing firm rather than those who are being swept away by those who are unstable and distort the Scriptures. So, having warned them not to be deceived and not to be disturbed— and having explained what to expect in the years prior to the destruction of Jerusalem, he now tells them of the sign which will indicate that the destruction of the temple is close at hand. Very-
0: okay, he moves on rel- relatively quick. So, his, he gave two options. Jesus contradicted himself, and he just said, that can't happen. And then, so, basically, some of you are going to die, but you're not going to perish. So, the hair of your head is not referring to some kind of physical preservation. It just means you will not perish in hell. Because nothing can separate you from the love of God. Okay. I I I I I wanna say that's it. That's it. I struggle with that one. I struggle with that one. It just is I'm I'm I'm, I, I'm trying to... I think I'm going to struggle with all the answers to s- some way. So let me see how this works. All right, Luke 21, 16. You shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. But there shall not a hair of your head perish, and your patience possess your soul. I... Is, is it saying that some of you are going to die, but you won't die prior to the destruction of the temple? If Jesus' prophecy is, hey, the temple is going to be destroyed, none of you are going to die before the destruction of the temple. So then we do have to ask, was any of the apostles martyred prior to 70 A.D.? Were any of the apostles, any of the disciples martyred before 70 A.D.? All right. Hang on. Uh, I'm going to just look here. All right. I I don't know. I know I'm supposed to already stop for today's focus. We're supposed to keep these at at, uh, 15 minutes, but I've got to at least look at this. I'm just going to go, when did the disciples die? All right. Let's see here. What do we have here? Uh, When did the disciples die? All right, let's see here. James, the son of Zebedee, he was put to death by Herod Agrippa shortly before the day of the Passover of the year 44. Well, all right, so we already have them dying before 70 AD. John 89 to 120. Uh, Andrew, no accurate death date. Philip... The uh, Bible doesn't say so when he died, according to tradition, he, pre- he preached in a number of places. Doesn't have a date. Bartholomew, there's no information. Matthew. That he died. Okay, and that doesn't help us. Thomas. The fourth century, so it'd be after 70 A.D. Oh no. Uh hang on. Not obviously he wouldn't live that long. Uh Okay, well we don't know. We don't know the date. That's there was a tradition in the 4th century. Uh nope, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Okay, that's not that's not very helpful. And that's not very helpful. So I was like thinking, "Hey, some of you are going to die, but not a hair of your head will perish before seventy A.D." I, yeah, I I don't think that. I, I want to make that work, but I don't I don't know if it will. The the other, I guess I like the idea. Some of you are going to die, but not a hair of your head will perish. In the sense that the idea of perishing. for, you know, we could, I mean, if you think about how that, we would have to look at how that phrase is used every time, but obviously we know the most famous one, right? We all know the most famous one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You will not perish. Clearly, it doesn't mean you're not going to physically die. So you're going to die, but you're not going to perish. Just the hair on your head, that phraseology just seems so tangible uh, but I think I think that's a possibility I think that's a poss- possibility so we'll we'll leave it there I want you to today's focus remember the whole goal of this podcast series supposed to be 15 minutes long to give you one thing to focus on for the entire day because there's a million things coming at you spend some time today focusing on Luke 21 um let me see which, which the entire section Luke 21 actually what I want you to do today is um, Luke 21, really focus on verse 5 through 19, 5 through 19, um, and just make sure you understand and interpret that, that Jesus is giving them them signs and promises that first and foremost are connected to what will happen leading up to 70 AD. Any attempt to jump further, you've got to be careful with that because the context is obvious. He's talking about the destruction of the temple. And if you and if you if you ignore that or try to jump ahead, I think you do great disservice to the text. That's the primary focus. So first and foremost, whatever promises are here were for those disciples, primarily, and leading up to 70 AD. That's what it's about. And the warning signs are leading up to the destruction of the temple. That that but that promise, if we understand that correctly, hey. Some of you are going to die and some of them are going to die, but they were not going to perish because nothing can separate us from the love of God. And that is, can be true of us. And it's true in an absolute sense. Unless Jesus returns, we're all going to die, but we're not going to perish. So just meditate on Luke 21, uh, about 5 through 19, and just think about it. And uh, if you have any observations, thoughts, I, I still my homework still is find other sermons that reference this and see what solutions they have and just look up commentaries and study Bibles and just send me a screenshot of your notes. Make sure you list the source and then just summarize their solution and just make that your focus for today. November the 8th, I had a look, 2022, and that is your today's focus. And today's focus was recorded and came to you as a live broadcast at one o'clock in the morning. Okay. It's now 102 AM here in West Texas. And uh there's probably not a pe- a lot of people doing live broadcasting at 102 A.m. But uh that's one of the beautiful things about the internet that whatever time of day, night or morning, I can turn on the microphone and talk about the word of God. That I I I will forever be blown away by that just I can just turn on the microphone and talk to people about the word of God. They may not like it, they may disagree. But do you know how amazing that is? I don't know. I, I'll never take it for granted. I'll never take it for granted to open up my iPad and go to sermons2.0 and just sermon after sermon. The Edify Christian podcast app, sermon after sermon after sermon, the sermons.net podcast, uh, basically sermons.net app, sermon after sermon, just we have so much available to us. But sometimes all of that available to us can destruct can distract us which is destructive for our spiritual life. So instead of being distracted, focus on Luke 21, 5 through 19, and make that today's focus for this November the 8th, 2022.